Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. It's impossible to overemphasize the importance of the Word of God when it comes to the salvation of the soul. It is only by depending on the authority of the Bible that sinners can firmly secure their faith as sure as an anchor holds fast to a giant rock. But not only do we need this firm foundation for our faith, we need to hear it for ourselves. We need to hear God speaking to us through His Word. Many people listen to gospel messages, just like here on Anchor Point, week after week, but they fail to respond to what they are hearing. They fail to truly discern that the message is for them. And my friend, this message is for you. In today's message, evangelist Marvin Dirksen draws our attention to the importance of God's Word when it comes to faith. Faith in something nebulous or unreliable would be foolhardy indeed. But the Bible is steadfast and sure, and it will never change. Today's message is from a passage in John's Gospel, chapter 5, where the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching about how dead sinners are able to receive life. Well, how does this happen? It happens by listening to what he says. I mean, really listening. The hour is coming, he said, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. There were many in the crowds that the Lord Jesus taught who heard what he was saying, but not all heard his voice speaking to them personally. They didn't apply to themselves. We trust that you will hear his voice in the scriptures spoken from in today's message. If you have a Bible, I'd like to read in the Gospel of John tonight in chapter 5. And I'd like to read verse number 25. First of all, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. When he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is. So that brings us right into the context of where we are tonight. The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming. It doesn't say it now is. The hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. Just drop back to verse 24. Again, the words of the Savior, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word, and believes, says, on him, or believes him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is past from death unto life. Now, if you read the rest of John's gospel, you will likely discern that John speaks of four very distinct hours. Now, he's not talking necessarily about 60 minutes, but it is a period of time in which God is doing something very unique. It is a sense of immediacy, of urgency, 
In fact, we use expressions like the hour of decision, or it was a critical hour. And we're just indicating that this is a turning point, that something is happening in which there are far-reaching consequences. So if you read John's Gospel, you will read about four different hours, and we have read of two of them. What we have read, first of all, concerns the hour of the sinner's salvation. The hour is coming, he could say, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. So if I could bring it right to the context of this hour, that's exactly what is happening right now. That as the Word of God is read, dead individuals, now I know you're all living, I'm talking about spiritually dead, those that have been unresponsive, those that have no link with heaven, they're dead spiritually. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. And this would be a tremendous meeting if someone were to hear the voice of God and respond and trust the Savior. Leave with life. Leave with forgiveness. Leave with the, with the Savior. This would be a great hour. It's the hour of the sinner's salvation. Very simply and very quickly, if you go back a chapter, you'll understand that the Lord Jesus was speaking with a, a Samaritan woman. I would suggest that her past wasn't all that flattering. She had had a number of relationships, and none of them had satisfied. She had had five husbands, and she was now living with a, a sixth man. And in John 4, she was about, oh, she, she met the seventh man. It's the seventh man that changed her life. And during their conversation, you will read these words, the hour is coming and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. What's happening right now? It's the hour of spiritual worship. It's the hour when there's hearts even here in this meeting. And while this is not a, a remembrance meeting, there is something in our hearts that respond to the Savior, even as we've been singing these hymns, even as we read the Word of God, as we listen to the Gospel. Yes, we're saved, but we love the Gospel because it has changed our life and has brought us to the Savior. And there is a note of worship, a note of thanksgiving that wells up. The hour is coming and now is. The Lord Jesus spoke about his hour. He could say, Father, the hour is come. John 12, John 17. It was the hour of the, of the Savior's suffering. An hour unlike any other hour. Yes, it encompassed six hours on a cross, but it involved the suffering, not only from man, but for man because of our sin. And then we have read in John chapter 5 about a, a coming hour. The hour is coming when all there in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. It's the hour of resurrection. It's the hour of the Son's supremacy. He will have the last word. Every individual in this world will ultimately hear his voice, and they will come forth from a watery grave, from the depths, from earthly graves. Bones will be brought back to a body. The men and women that have rejected Christ will ultimately stand before the sovereign of the universe. That hour is yet future. So I just want to focus tonight on what's happening right now. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. I don't know of a, of a greater reality than to hear the voice of God himself. Now, the God of heaven is not speaking audibly as I'm speaking tonight. He has spoken, and he continues to speak. He is still speaking. In fact, sometimes I think 
and my own reckoning, I make a mistake sometimes because sometimes I pray that God will speak in this meeting. I don't think that's wrong, but that's not really the problem, is it? Because God is always speaking. God has given us his word. God is moving in the lives of individuals. He is speaking. You know what we should really be praying for? That individuals will hear, will hear his voice. And that's exactly what he says is happening. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. You know, I think most of us will take a uh, physician's word fairly seriously. Now, we might get a second opinion. But if your doctor calls you in and said, uh, we have x-rays, you need to come to the office immediately, we need to talk. I think most of us, if we realize that something is not quite right, we don't know what it is, but something is not quite right, we will rearrange our schedule and, and we will go to the physician's office and we will sit down and we will listen to him or her. And if we trust the physician, we will take their word at face value. There's a mass been found, tumor. We need to do a biopsy. Very likely we need to do surgery. And all of a sudden, your world is turned upside down because of the voice of authority of a physician that has seen the x-rays. Tonight, we're dealing with a great physician, with the one that knows us through and through. We're dealing with the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he spoke to individuals. He made them aware of their need. And as we even come to John chapter 5, verse 24, the, these 34 simple but golden words, he begins that message with the simple affirmation, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word. Now, I trust you're hearing more than just a human voice tonight, because we have read of God's word. And the Lord Jesus said, he that hears my word. Could I suggest tonight that that is your and my greatest responsibility? Interesting, we listen to everybody else, and we, we respond to all kinds of voices. Isn't it sad, isn't it tragic, that when it comes to the voice of God, when it comes to the truth of this book, because this is how God has spoken to us in our day, that we treat it as a light thing? In fact, the enemy has done a tremendous job, a very effective job of undermining this book, of treating it as if it's out of date, unreliable, old-fashioned, and the world has bought the lie. It's a long-standing lie. It goes right back to Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say? No, God didn't mean what he said. This is really what will happen. And all of a sudden, the word of God was undermined. But the word of God stands tonight. The Lord Jesus could say simply to the enemy himself, it is written. And that simple phrase simply means it stands written. You can try and push it over. You can deny it. You can undermine it. It'll still stand. And it stood all these centuries and all these millennia. And it'll stand forever. When the heavens and the earth have passed away, the Lord Jesus said, my word will never pass away. And that's why tonight, if I could just say it very simply, what you do with this book and what you do with this message will determine where you will be forever. See, the Lord Jesus spoke with tremendous clarity. The Lord Jesus said to a very religious man, Nicodemus, you must be born again. That man must have reeled at the truth of that, to think that he wasn't right with God, to think that all of his knowledge and all of his piety and all of his prayers and all of his Bible teaching hadn't gotten him any closer to heaven. No, there was a, a greater issue. And the great physician understood his need, and he said, you must be born again. And the word of God still stands, doesn't it? It's a word of absolute authority. 
of clear instruction. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And that word still stands. This voice is a voice of wonderful grace and wonderful invitation. You know, the voice of the Savior is a voice that many of us have responded to. I can honestly say that it was the love of God that melted my heart to understand for the very first time that God loved me and the Lord Jesus was willing to die in my place. That softened me. That changed my life. And he was on the cross just for me. And tonight this voice has come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Do you have rest tonight? Do you have peace? Do you have assurance? Because you see, this is a voice of assurance as well. You'll recall that there was a woman, and it was a very, very shameful experience for her. She'd been caught in immoral activity. She had been very callously dragged to where the Lord Jesus was, condemned by a group of men, all fingers pointing down at her. This woman was taken in adultery. What do you say should happen to her? The end of that very, very difficult situation were words, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It wasn't that the Lord Jesus glossed over sin. But you see, he hadn't come to condemn the world. We're condemned already. He'd come to save. He'd come to seek and to save. He'd come to restore that which he took not away. He'd come that we might have life, that we might have it abundantly. And tonight, if you've never responded to his voice and his word, my friend, you, you have to start to live, really. Oh, I know you're going in for all that the world offers. But that's not life. Not as God envisages it. The person that has eternal life is the one that has started to live, to enjoy the very presence of God and the blessings of God and the salvation of God. But you see, his voice is a voice of solemn warning. And he said to a group of very religious, proud, pharisaical individuals, if you don't believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. And where I go, you cannot come. Could I put it in plain English? He was saying, if you miss Christ, if you miss me, he said, you will be in hell. That's simple. Where I go, you can't not come. It just comes to mind that there was a couple of young people that were raring to go on their quads in the spring of the year. Winter had been long. The snow was going. They were eager to get on their quads and go for a run. But the father of one of those young men came up to him and said, son, whatever you do, don't cross the river. The river was down the way. He said, it's running high. It's pretty powerful. Just have a great ride, but don't cross the river. No problem, Dad. We won't. And away they went. They came to the river. And yes, what the father said was, was right. It was running high. And it was moving pretty swiftly. But as that young man looked at the depth of the water and how deceptive that is, he looked at the depth of the water. He says, come on, it's not that deep. We can get across because the trail is on the other side. Let's go. And he revved his throttle up and moved ahead into the river. He had heard his father's word. Son, whatever you do, don't cross the river. Before that young man knew what had happened, strength of that current took that quad and their pretty heavy machines and flipped it upside down, throwing the rider out. And tragically, tragically, the young man went over the falls 200 feet downstream to his death. Had he heard the voice? Had he heard the word? Yes. 
but there hadn't been any acceptance on it. And tonight, there is a God. And if I could just use that illustration, he's saying, listen, don't cross the river. Don't step into eternity without a Savior. And there's many individuals, and maybe, maybe there's someone here tonight, I don't know. You're going to face eternity one of these days. You're going to come to the end of your pathway, your journey. And then what? Do you have a Savior? Are your sins forgiven? That's why John 5.24 is so simple and yet so wonderful. He that hears, hears my word. And it's interesting that when the Lord spoke about the hours coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. To me, there's, there's two classes of people. There's two types of hearers there. There are those that hear in a very general way. And you're all hearing our voice. You've heard the word of God read. But are you really hearing it? Has there been a response in your heart to this? Does it mean anything to you? Or is it just so many words, so much volume? And you just go on unchanged. I think some of us husbands can appreciate the fact that sometimes our wives are talking to us and we're looking at them, but we're not listening. And sometimes my wife says, you're not listening to me. Oh, I am, I am. No, you're not. Li what did I say? A and then I'm caught. That's the way sometimes it is with God's word, isn't it? We hear, but there's no response. He that hears my word, he can say in John 5, 24, and believes him that sent me. Greatest responsibility is to hear the word of God. The greatest response is to believe what God says. To believe what God says. Can God be trusted? Is it profitable to actually believe in the God of the Bible? Is it profitable to put faith and trust in this old book? Yes, my dear friend, this is a book of truth. This is a book with eternal value. This is a book that reveals all that God is and all that God has done. We can stand on it. But it requires acceptance. It requires faith. It requires belief. He that hears my word and believes him that sent me. Now let me just say this, because time is almost gone. That faith and belief never stands alone. Ever meet a person that says, oh, I, I have great faith. I'm a believer. Just ask them a question. Faith in what? Belief in whom? Because you see, these verbs never stand alone. Nouns. You see, it's always faith in an object. And I can have great faith in a very unworthy object, unreliable object, and the result will be bad. And I can have very weak faith in that which is absolutely reliable, and it will stand. Sometimes you get on a boat, and uh, you wonder, is this thing going to carry us across the other side? Sometimes people are shuddering and shaking and seasick, and they're, they're wondering. Ah, but it's the reliability of the boat that takes you to the other side. It's not your faith. There is a Savior. And I want to tell you from personal experience and from the truth of this book, he is absolutely reliable. His word is 100% accurate and true. It'll never change. He'll never say, no, I'm going to have to come out with a revised version of this. I'm going to have to modify some of these words. I meant this, but now this is, this is what's in view. No, God's word stands we can have 100% assurance in what God says. Let me tell you very simply and very personally that it was only when I came to face the Word of God and understood that what God said was trustworthy that I understood for the very first time to place it across 2,000 years ago involved my sin and involved my salvation. You see, I wasn't there. Neither were you. None of us were there. We weren't even around. And yet the kindness of God has given us a record 
has given us an account of what took place almost 2,000 years ago. And the Bible puts it very simply. This is the gospel, how that Christ died. That's historical. That stands. That's not enough, is it? We need more information. So the Bible says Christ died for. And all of a sudden we understand that there's more to come, but please, we, we need more information. Christ died for sins. Why, that's wonderful. That's our problem. But then, of course, the big issue is, well, who sins? And yet the Bible makes it very, very clear. Christ died for our sins. And reading Isaiah 53 and 6. You might get tired of me mentioning this, but I'll never get tired of it. Don't think so anyway. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. God starts with all, takes us all in. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. God was describing who I am, what I had done. Then he brought me to understand that the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. Starts with all, ends with all. And for the first time in my life, I understood the truth of that momentous suffering at the cross. Christ died for my sins. And as this wonderful verse goes on, he that hears my word, believes him that sent me, has, has everlasting life. Do you know of anything greater than that? If you gave me a million dollars, I know a million dollars is not very much in these days anymore, but if you gave me a million dollars, that wouldn't even begin to compare to what a believer in the Lord Jesus has. Has everlasting life. Will not come into condemnation. Will never perish, but is passed from death to life. This is exactly what God is offering you. Based on his word, And if individuals will hear the message of this book and come to understand that the author of this book has a message for you concerning the Lord Jesus, concerning his work, concerning the finished work, the entire payment, you could leave responding just by faith, taking God at his word. As the little chorus goes, God said it, I believe it. That settles it for me. Be wonderful to have it settled tonight, wouldn't it? to be able to leave with everlasting life. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus talked about. And that's exactly what's happening here tonight. The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. It's the Word of God that is able to save the soul. The hymn writer could say, Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And it is only by resting on what God says that we can be sure of eternal life. What exceeding great and precious promises, Peter says, are there for us to take in. It is by the word of God that we find out that we are sinners. It's by the word of God that we understand God's judgment for sin. And it's by the word of God that we can trust him for the forgiveness of sins found only in the person of the Lord Jesus and what he has done on our behalf on Calvary. Have you trusted God's word? Well, you need to. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.